So in this next episode, we talk about leading with compassion. Now, before you get which way about this, I know that the this term in particular kind of has some connotation that goes to it. I know for leaders, you're kind of like, well, how do I stop from being taken advantage of, which we go over in this conversation. And even for employees, you're probably wondering, you know, How do I make sure that my boundaries aren't crossed um, with my leadership and so on and so forth? It's a two-way street. We talk a lot about it in this episode. But also, too, we talk about the term glass cliff. Now, I'm not going to lie. I've never heard of this term before. But as soon as Magalie Renee, uh, which is our next guest, she is a compassion and confidence expert and the CEO of Workplace Catalyst, explained it to me. A light bulb went off and I was like, oh, my gosh. I know so many people who have been put in this position. So sit back, take a listen, and let us know what you think. Hey, Slay Nation. It's your host, Heather. I'm back with another episode of the So She Slays podcast. Super excited to welcome our guest, Magalie Relay. She is a compassion and a competence expert, a CEO and of Workplace uh, Catalyst, which is her business. And um, before we dive into the topics today, I kind of want you just to talk a little bit about yourself because I think, uh, you know, when we're talking about leading with compassion, uh, I think there's a lot of mixed feelings about this. So before we dive into that, though, go ahead and, and introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. First of all, I'm so happy to be here, Heather. Thank you for having me. My name is Magalie Renee. And Heather already kind of encapsulated kind of, you know, what the titles are. But what I do is I help, I support people uh, who are up to big things in leading with compassion, first leading themselves with compassion, and then leading others with compassion. I also support people more than anything in expanding their sense of self-worth and leaning into their confidence. So that's what I do. And my why is because this world obviously needs more compassion. Obviously. Just a little bit more empathy and more compassion. (laughs) But I want to go ahead and like jump right into it because of the fact that I think there's a lot of people out there who are leaders or who are constructing their business to become their own CEOs and and, and whatnot, or even get hired into the position, correct? That don't really know that fine balance, right? Because a lot of times I think people, when they think of compassion and empathy, they think soft, they think not being able to tell people the truth or to lead and make um, tough decisions and so on and so forth. So how do we go about, because I think it's a fine line. Would you think, would you say it's a fine line? Uh, Yeah, I think it's very, it's a slippery slope, right? So if you don't have clear uh, goals, clear set intentions and clear boundaries, internal boundaries first, and then external boundaries, you're definitely going to hear the word compassion and two things are going to happen. You're either going to be triggered because it's like, oh, please, that's how people take advantage of me. And that's how people take advantage of others. So screw compassion. That's one. Or number two, you're going to, you're going to, Uh, hear compassion and you're going to think that it is about enabling and it is about supporting people till the end, no matter what, even if they're not showing up and not doing their jobs and not effective. Right. So boundaries is really important. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So boundaries and compassion and all that kind of stuff. How do you have that all? Because I think sometimes people go, it's one or the other, right? Yeah. In order. So I talk about compassionate leadership. The word leadership or leader is very clear. That's someone who leads from the front. That's someone who others look up to. That is someone who knows what the goals are, is clear on the goals. And that's someone who operates with excellence in mind. They want to do a good job. They want others to excel. They want to accomplish their mission, right? So leadership is attached to the word compassion here. So I want everyone listening to really hear that connection. We're not saying let go of what makes you a good leader, which is having clear a clear understanding, communicating effectively, um, holding the line, right? That means like if you've got something that needs to be accomplished, if you have processes, procedures, guidelines that get to be followed, all of those things still get to be maintained because otherwise you wouldn't be leading, right? The compassion piece is merely about getting clear on where other people are and figuring out how to meet their needs such that they can meet the needs that you have and the goals that you have at the company, if you're at a company or in partnership with you, if it's in some other context, but we're just creating win-win here. And you really can't create win-win if people don't, let's take it all the way back to like sales, basic sales 101, no like trust, know you people need to know who you are they need to like you or have some level of rapport with you even if they don't like you right some level of connection and rapport and then they've got to come to trust you those are the foundational elements of compassionate leadership right compassion is about if someone knows you you know that person then you're aware do they have kids do they need what do they need to get i'm just giving you i'm throwing out an example here what do they need in the workplace? What, what will support them in being able to do the best job? Um, if somebody's going through, say, like a traumatic event happening in the world, and you know that a whole swath of your organization will be probably particularly triggered that day because of what they just watched unfold, then what do you get to do as a leader? How do you get to meet people where they are? Do you ask people, hey, what do you need? Do you offer yourself as, an op- as, a, as a space in this space This is what's available to you to support you if you're having a hard time today. These are the basic tenets of compassionate leadership. And you know what's really funny? (laughs) Tell me. (laughs) What's funny is some of the people, I know these people personally, who are triggered by the term compassionate leadership are actually compassionate leaders. (laughs) What? What kind of mind switch is that? Yeah, because I think people, right, you just got to think about polarization and kind of what's happening in our country and in our world right now. People are so triggered by terms and words, and they just are in their own defensive, you know, uh, projection kind of trigger, trigger, I'm triggered, triggered, triggered. And what they're doing is they're thinking, they hear certain terms, and they identify it with something. And they hear compassionate leadership and maybe they identify it with, you know, someone who's saying that we're not going to compete and we're not going to work hard and we're not going to be effective or we're going to let everything just fall to bleep, right? But really, those same people, when I talk to them directly one-on-one and I ask them questions about how they lead, 
because I'm in this, in this case, I have somebody specific in mind and he's like an industry leader, right? He works in a particular industry. It is very like the work that he does is very financially minded. It is black and white, right? And I ask him, he has his own company, leads people. I've asked him, well, how do you deal with your employees? And he literally will verbatim share with me the tenets of compassionate leadership. Like I care about them. I want to make sure I provide for them. I want them to know that I'm here for them. And I want them to do an effective job. And we've got these quotas we need to meet. And we've got this that needs to get done. And he does all of those things because an effective leader is a compassionate leader. You know, when I can get, uh, let me get off my soapbox, girl. <laughs> I was like, I was just going to let you go. You were on it. <laughs> I got on one. I'm so passionate about this. <laughs> no, but I love that you're so passionate about it because it makes sense, right? And I almost like, you can almost equate it to like how relationships in general work, right? Like really good one, whether it be romantic, friendship, platonic, family, whatever. Good relationships, I feel, are the compassionate ones. It's like, you know, I, I need this from you. Well, you're not getting that, getting that from that person. Okay, well, why am I not getting this person? Is it because, you know, they're having a bad day? Is it because they're so overwhelmed? Is it because, you know, all of these things and then you're having to, I, that's where effective communication comes in, at least in my leadership role. And then also, you know, when I have other relationships outside of a career or work environment, and it's, you know, the communicational aspect of that, it's like, Hey, you know, I'm noticing a, B and C what's going on. Do you need some help? Are you going through something? Is there something I can do for you? I almost think like the compassionate leadership can like go across the board in all relationships in a sense. I 100% agree with that. I definitely think though, um, the slippery slope, which we were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier, is the asking, I've done this myself, where I thought I was being compassionate, but actually my boundaries were getting crossed. And I allowed that for months and it actually put my business in peril like true story, put my business in peril, um, created so much mess that I needed to clean up because I was in this attempt to be compassionate. Mm -hmm. I was not holding the person accountable for the agreements that had been made. I wasn't like looking at the objectives that we had agreed upon. And I was letting the stories that this person had And stories, these are real facts. She was going through some things, but I was allowing what she was going through to be an excuse for her to push past each and every one of my boundaries and actually renege on the objectives we had agreed upon. Ooh. Okay, slippery slope. So let's talk about this. How do we prevent that? We prevent it by like being clear at the onset being compassionate doesn't mean depending on context. So context is everything, right? Mm. Context is everything. Are we talking about a partnership context of like your significant other? Are we talking about your child relationship? Are we talking about work? I'm going to focus on work in this moment so that we can be real clear about it. Cause that's the context. That's the example I was giving. Um, and let me know. So I'm filling my hands. (laughs) We're animated over here. (laughs) My mom in the back of my head, stop using your hands. Anyway, (laughs) coming back to it. So 
uh, in the work context, we've got to recognize that this isn't a family. I'm not related to this person. This person has been hired for a job. And if you're the employee, I've been an employee who has been hired and am paid to do a job. So that's the context we're in. And I just had someone say, well, compassionate, compassion goes both ways. That, that was like, of course it goes both ways. We're making excuses for our own inequity in cases, our own like inability to, to, to do what we said we were going to do and follow through right? We make excuses. And then we say, our boss isn't compassionate, but are we being compassionate for the fact that the, our boss has a boss too? And our boss's boss has a boss too. And everyone is working for someone. And if you're an entrepreneur, then you're working. I'm working to keep my lights on, right? Right. Like, exactly. So my It's a two-way street. So it sounds like it's a two-way street. A hundred percent. It's a two-way street. And the, the, the opportunity and the invitation that I'm going to share here is for you to lead with the context that you're in. So if someone's going through something challenging, then, and you know that you want to meet them where they are, you can say, Hey, I've noticed, this is what I've noticed and bring up the actual factual situation around the directives, around the deliverables, around the agreed upon objectives. I've noticed that this is not working, or perhaps I noticed that there may be an issue here. Is there something I can support you with? Is there something going on? How can I support you? Because what we're going to need to get to is this result. So I always say, set the context at the beginning. Mm know what it is you want to accomplish and make sure you're bringing that in to the conversation. So the conversation is not just about what do you need help with? How can I support you? Which is what I was doing for months. Yeah. And not bringing it back to the reason I want to support you is of course, I'm a caring, feeling human being and I have empathy and I need to support you so we can get this job done. And if we can't get this job done, this is what the repercussions are. So mm -hmm. this is where we're setting the boundaries. We're setting the tone. You're meeting people where they are. You're asking them what they need. You're showing that you care before you show what you know, right? People don't care what you know. They want to know that you care. So yes. you're showing that you care. And finally, you're setting the context around the requirements, like what's needed from a professional perspective and the consequences if that need isn't met. Mm. All of those things have to go together. And I think- if you just do the compassion part, you're going to let the leadership lag. Mm. And if you just do, if you have, if you forget the compassion part, you'll see the result of that because people will lose their trust in you. That no yeah. like trust factor, that's going to go because people don't trust you if they don't think you care about them. Those two things, those all. I mean, facts, <laughs> facts across the board. But in that, in that example you just gave, I almost think of it then a little bit more as if you are in a leadership role, it's more like, I think sometimes people think it's like, oh, I am the leader. And these are my people that I, I give things to, which in a sense, yes. But at the same time, too, it's more effective if it's more of a collaborative team effort, right? Like everybody has their job, which is kind of what you were describing, right? Where it's like, how do I support you? Because A, B and C needs to get done. If that doesn't get done, then, you know, everything else is going to not get done. And we're going to 
So it's almost just like a transparent uh, conversation of, you know, how are you? What's going on? This kind of stuff. How do I support you? Okay, great, because this needs to get done. And if this doesn't get done, then we all have to deal with this, which we all don't want to deal with the this. hundred <laughs> percent. I'm going to give you another example that flips it around. So I, when I talk about leaders, I believe everyone's a leader. If you are a parent and you're a stay at home parent, you're still a leader. You're not not a leader because you're not you don't have a some high title at some company or corporation. Everyone's a leader and you're a leader in your life. And compassionate leaders also are present to what they need, what their own needs are and making sure those needs are met. So that might look like on the flip side, um, I'm going to give you another workplace setting example. Mm-hmm. If you're drowning and in your figuratively drowning and you're inundated and overwhelmed and you just are looking at it and you just know this isn't going to work. Like you're not going to be able to get this done by a certain time or in the way that it needs to be done or that you need support. The question is, have you thought through what do I need? So many people are so hyper aware of what everybody else needs and forget to recognize and to to, to, to support their own needs. So going, being able to go to your colleagues or go to whoever and say, listen, this is what I need. I want to get, because my intention is to get the job done. My intention is to complete this thing. My intention is this outcome, whatever the outcome is. Maybe it's not about a deliverable. It could be about something else. This is the outcome that I want to see happen. And this is what I'm facing. This is what I'm challenged with. I need support on this. How can I, what can I count on from you? right? Like being able to just, that's like agency and autonomy. It's a little bit, and self-advocacy, it's a little bit tricky because we're talking about power dynamics and I am aware the power dynamics exist, but we've all worked with people that even within those power dynamics, they find a way to come out on top and they find a way to make it happen. It requires we be disciplined It requires we have set boundaries and we don't allow people to keep piling things on when we know that's going to put us in a hole. We find a way to work with others and communicate our needs. Sometimes I think you you can be surprised, pleasantly surprised when you have a boundary and you articulate that and you make the request, people show up because Mm -hmm. you're so firm in yourself, right? Those internal boundaries I was talking about. Absolutely. And I firsthand have experienced that myself. Um, You know, I didn't used to be able to be like, I used to just be the yes person, right? Like constantly, constantly putting stuff on my plate. And then it just got to a point where I was overwhelmed and I was losing sleep and I was stressed out all the time. So it was one of those things where I had to ask for help or I had to be like, look, I can do this, but it won't get done until, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, or I have to do this before I can even touch that. So if there, that is a hard deadline, I'm not going to be able to hit, like to get it. Um, I can help with certain aspects, but that's about it. Um, and a lot of people, I, I was pleasantly surprised because a lot of people acknowledged that and actually almost respected more because I was like, this is what I can do for you, but this is what I can't. And this is why. Um, it's just articulating it very, uh, transparently, honestly. 
clearly it's like clear communication, direct communication. And it's also being true to your word. So if you're saying you're going to do the thing and then you don't do the thing over and over and over again, that diminishes respect. But if you are negotiating, because I always say negotiation, you can always renegotiate. It's a negotiation. Mm -hmm. How do we create a win-win to both have the outcome that we want and whatever the capacity is, whatever role you're in. But um, you just hit the nail on the head. You said, when I started to set boundaries, people respected that. And I definitely have been in the workplace where I've just like noticed. Um, and I mean, we could shift the context. If you want to talk uh, about other things, I'm down to do that too. Cause a lot of the work <laughs> we do isn't in the workplace, but, um, but yeah, like when, when you notice I was just talking, I had one person in one of our workshops and she works with a bunch of different teams. This is an advertising company. And so this particular person works with like the graphics department and she works with like the, uh, the creative department. And, and she says, when people come to her with a project, she not only holds boundaries for herself, she holds boundaries for her team too, so that their emergencies don't become the problems of her teams. And now she's gained the respect of her teams because she holds those boundaries and her higher ups recognize how she delivers what she says, what she says she's gonna deliver. When she knows that something is beyond, she says, no, I'm protecting my time, my people, and I'm letting you know, this is what the timeline's gonna be. And then she delivers. So those people are the ones who get the respect, not the person, not the people. And those people get promoted versus the people who continue to let their boundaries be trespassed over, right? And mm -hmm. then they become the people who don't ever get the thing done or who just, that's like, it's like a lack of discipline. And I'm not trying to make this anyone's fault, right? Because I've been there, like I just shared, mm -hmm. but it's a practice. It's just something we get to practice being disciplined about our boundaries. Exactly. And there is such high regard and high respect when on both sides, right? You know, all the way around, I feel like you are, when you state your boundaries and you give, you know, you, you do what you say you're going to do and you also protect yourself, your people and all. I think there's just an all around better sense of respect and better sense of self, right? Yeah. Um, I do want to pivot to uh, this term called the glass cliff. Now I want you to go ahead and elaborate on that because I don't, I've never heard of this term and what exactly that is and means. Yeah, it's actually very interesting because I hadn't heard of it. And then when I did and I read the definition, I was like, oh, dang. And about, I tell you, no less than five women came to my mind. I wow. immediately had immediate examples of how I've seen this play out in real life. But the glass cliff, it's a situation where women are promoted to like higher positions um, and leadership positions during like a time of crisis or during a time of a problem or recession, or like, maybe it's like a social justice issue, right? Or like, like, let's use uh, the murder of George Floyd and that time in history. And like all of these companies awakening. I mean, I don't know how anybody, so many people were asleep at the wheel, but whatever, but awakening. A whole nother discussion. <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast, but awakening to the realization that, oh, we're in crisis when it comes to how we deal with inclusion, when it comes to how, how and whether people feel like they belong in, 
in a workforce, how they, all the things, I'm not going to go into all that. We already know what happened and how that played out um, and how it's continuing to play out for better or for worse. Point being, the people that were, then we start to hire, okay, we're going to hire women and we're going to put them in these roles and they're going to fix it. We're going to hire women of color and put them in this role and they're going to fix it. Uh, that was a hard eye roll that came across Honey. the screen right now. <laughs> I felt that high roll in my soul because <laughs> my soul was rolling its eyes. But like, they're going to fix it as opposed to we're going to figure it out together. So the glass cliff, it's basically the setup, right? Oh. It's different than the glass ceiling. It's the glass cliff. It's the setup. You're being pushed off this cliff because guess what? No way can one woman or one marginalized person in one role fix it jesus (laughs) i have oh i am so glad that we brought up this topic because i had no idea but that is so true i i know several people off the top of my head set up just like that oh oh I want to bring, I always bring, a. I do my best, my level best to be balanced and to bring a balanced perspective to everything. So the glass, glass cliff, cliff is a thing and we get to be mindful in particular as women, in particular, particular as women of color, right? With like mm. intersectionality, we get to be very present to whether or not we're saying yes to that sort of situation And we get to do our level best to safeguard ourselves. Now, you can't always control that. You can't always safeguard yourself because sometimes, not for nothing, you know, you've gotten sort of bamboozled into it. It sounded like an amazing opportunity and maybe you didn't even see this coming. But I want us all to remember, no one is doing you a favor This was one of the biggest lessons of my life. Actually, the lesson came from that example that I talked to you about, about allowing my story about being compassionate to have this sort of over and over, not meet objectives and leave me hanging in the end and leave me with this like pile of mess I had to resolve. I did that because on a subtle level, I felt like this person and people were doing me favors by hiring me, supporting me, giving me a chance, partnering with me. But guess what? We, especially as women and as people of color, need to stop believing we're lucky. Oh, you're lucky to be here. This is a lucky, you're lucky you got this break. Yes, be grateful because gratitude will keep you going. Gratitude is one of the best healers. And Mind that the gratitude doesn't slip into feeding any kind of self-doubt or a lack of self-worth that is inherent to what society has shown you in your life. You're here wherever you are, even if you're in a role where it is a glass cliff, you're, you got the role because you know what you're doing, because you are effective, because you are skilled, talented, brilliant. You belong wherever you say you belong, right? I'm going to go off a little bit. Hopefully everyone's- No, still- keep going because I, I think this is gold. You're okay. on a trail of gold right now. Thank you. So you know that you belong and you say so. Oprah always says, I walk into a room with my ancestors and I belong even if I'm the only one in that scenario. So to bring it to the glass cliff, to like tie it all together, 
If you find yourself in that role, recognize that you have power. You have power. And even if that power is to say, nah, this isn't for me, that's a power that you have, right? We have agency. So you're never imprisoned, ultimately, mm -hmm. even if it can feel that way sometimes. I have been there. Um, just recognize no one's doing your favor. You're being hired for a reason. And it's because you have a skill, a talent, a gift. And use that to your own, use that to your leverage. Remember that if, even if it's worst case scenario and you fall off that glass cliff, meaning if it's not a successful role, if it doesn't turn out well, because guess what? One person can't fix it, Jesus, or fix it, Buddha, right? Like if it doesn't turn out well and you find yourself falling off that glass cliff, I'm hoping I'm speaking to a lot of people on a different, on different places, at different places on their journey. But if you happen to see yourself falling off that cliff, remember, there's like a ledge right underneath it. You're mm -hmm. gonna pick yourself back up because it was a setup anyways. So don't make that mean anything about your own internal sense of self-worth and value. Recognize the situation for what it is. Find yourself a role in a position and a place where people understand your value and understand that you cannot, as one person, fix an entire crisis. You cannot, unless that's what you do for a living is crisis management, I just to say, right? Olivia Pope is- a real I was gonna say, Olivia Pope's <laughs> out there. Hashtag to all the Olivia Popes out there, right? We're not talking to you. Talking to the people who were set up, who didn't know that the entire weight of the world and fixing a, a company-wide societal problem was going to fall on their one role with their one tiny meager budget. You have a skill, a talent, you are worthy. Don't let this situation become something that you've made a meaning of in terms of your own sense of self. Mm. Okay. I'm going to get off my soapbox. Man. Oh my gosh. No, I love it. And that so many facts were spilled. And I love, love the fact that you were kind of just like, you were set up. I mean, just, just recognizing that. So here, here's my, here's my other question for this is, are there red flags or questions that maybe somebody would ask if presented with an opportunity and they're not quite sure if this is going to be a glass cliff situation or not. You know, I honestly, I didn't prepare specific questions. I tend to, my, this is overall advice, which will support you more. You need to know what is it that you need in order to do the role effectively. Mm. you've got to assess what you need to do the role effectively. And those needs can be multifaceted. They're tangible and they're intangibles. So what are you going to need in terms of your own well-being? What are you going to need in terms of your salary? What are you going to need in terms of partnership with certain teams? Sometimes this is what I mean. Like you can't control, you can only control yourself. So you can ask yes. these questions and you can definitely pay attention to red flags. What are you going to need? And can this company provide those things? And is it going to be clear? Like, have you, do you have metrics that say, well, if I get this, then you can expect this. If I don't get this, this is what you can expect. Like, right. Are you discussing those kinds of things? Um, I'd say really feel into it for your specific situation. And if you ask yourself very honestly, what do I need 
to be a success here, the answer is going to come through. Then you can make a wise decision. And maybe the pay is worth it. Maybe the Gonna be maybe real. it might be worth it. You don't know. Maybe the lessons or the opportunity, maybe the title, maybe even who you're working with mm. and what you're going to learn in that situation. Maybe it's worth it. And you take the role anyways, and you learn and you gather, right? You build your own yourself up. And that's not usury. I look at that as like win-win, because a company is hiring you because they need something from you. And you're saying yes to a company because you need something from them. So make sure that your needs are being met. And if you're focusing on that, then you'll see the red flags when they start answering the questions that you've asked around fulfilling your needs. You'll yeah. see the red flags. And then you can make a wise, empowered decision. Is it worth me saying yes anyways or not? That's yeah. Okay. And that kind of goes back to like the leading with compassion discussion, right? It's just knowing what you need in order to get the job done. And then them as the people presenting the opportunity, figuring out if they can meet your needs in order for you to do that job. Yep. Oh yep. my gosh. Okay. So to wrap this up, um, what is coming up for you? And as far as, you know, how people can get in touch with you, maybe learn more from you. Cause I just learned a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 this is my work, girl. This is what I love to do. <laughs> I do this for, it's so funny, the different spaces that I move in. And I do this often, more often than not in corporate spaces. Um, and then I love like my heart spaces to do it for like people just one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. But so here's what I do. My company is called Workplace Catalyst. That's the arm of my company that works with organizations. We work with amazing companies around the globe from in advertising spaces, um, a lot of different industries, mostly tech, but tech advertising, um, some politics, some political um, organizations, very interesting. And we do all the compassionate leadership um, work around that. It's very uh, inclusive and it really does center around well-being and belonging. That's what we do on that end. So if you have, if you're at a company, you want to take a look, go to workplacecatalyst.com, check out what we do, see who we've worked with. And of course, reach out there. On the other end of it, um, I am a compassion and confidence expert. So the work that we do, I was that actually before I launched my, my corporate, my, my business, my, my workplace catalyst business, I was a, a coach and I worked with many, many people at a variety of levels in their life, leaders, uh, corporate people in corporate, and also entrepreneurs who wanted to take a leap, who wanted to, uh, find their calling and then pursue not so much find, more pursue, pursue their calling who want to transition. So if you've been laid off, if, if there's something that's happening in your life right now where you really feel so afraid, you know what you want, you know what you want to create in your life, but you've got, you lack confidence or there, maybe there's something else that's in the way. You know, we've got several programs. One is called the Career View Mirror Program. That was my first program. It's a nine week course. Um, we're going to be delivering that digitally. And that supports you in making the leap and transitioning, figuring out the exact hows, not only the mindset, but also the how you're going to do it. Um, and then Confidence on Demand, which is a live program that'll take place at the end of January. I love that program. Um, we've had a couple of people go through it. I haven't done it for like two years, um, but some of the people that went through it the last time we did it live, I mean, wow, they've just created some amazing things in their life. And uh, I don't, uh, we don't have a lot of time because I can go on and on, but yeah, so for that, you want to just follow us on Instagram. Um, so at Magalie underscore Renee. 
we will give you a link. I'll share a link with you to our opt-in so that you can get the videos, especially if you've been laid off. Cause I know so many people. Ooh, so many people are in that boat right now. And that's rough. Ooh, it's rough. And we just did like a series. I just did like a seven part series that really will support and encourage you. Um, if you've been laid off to like find your center again and really see this as a blessing and as an opportunity, mm. as opposed to the worst thing that's ever happened, right? Yes. It could be the best thing that's ever happened to you. So I'll give you that link and we'll share that um, whenever this launches. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I have learned so much from you and I cannot, I can't not recommend you enough. Like I haven't gone through your programs at all, but I can just feel the passion for this subject. And I really, really think so so many people can learn so much from you. Um, Until next time, Slay Nation, we'll catch you later.